Armstrong Chiga and his wife, Rhoda, are here with us this morning. Would you please make him welcome and give your heart and your life to the Lord Jesus as he listens? Amen. Thank you. Amen. I'm delighted to be here this morning. It's a joy to come yet again to Church Triumphant and uh, fellowship with you. Um, let me just share a few things. Well, I have my wife, Rhoda, as she said, and so she's, uh, then we'll, uh, so you can, uh, we'll get to greet you towards the end of the service. But um, let me share a few uh, stories about what God is doing in, in the work in Africa, because every time I come, I try to fill you up with what is happening. Uh, we've been visiting and uh, fellowshiping this church for a long, long time. Actually, yesterday I was talking with one of the people that was a member of this church many years ago. And uh, he said, you know, uh, he, and he's no longer in this community. And he said, you know, uh, our church, where he goes now, is like what church Trump and used to worship in those way down. And then I remember that really white building that some of you would remember when I first came uh, to visit with you, which is over 25 years ago. And it's just been a joy to see what the Lord is doing in this body. Amen. Amen. And uh, <clears throat> we, we serve in, we originally, when I first came and got uh, to know this church, uh, when, uh, whenever Eric, uh, we got to be friends with Eric and his wife, uh, we were at that time serving uh, in Kenya, and, uh, but now our ministry has gone on across into Uganda and Tanzania, Burundi, and recently into Congo. I've not even gone to see the works that, we, uh, that are partnering with us in Congo, although they have desire, been desiring. And what I did last year is I invited the leadership of the churches in Congo to come into our conference in Nairobi. And so we met with them, we fellowship with them, prayed with them, and also this year... There is a, a group of uh, senior leadership of those churches coming to Kenya to be with me in the conference. And uh, so we have now about 50 churches that are within Congo and Zambia that are coming to me under our ministry. And so we need your prayers because the, the, the more the, ext uh, the extension of the work, the, 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 the greater the responsibilities on my shoulders. Because now it's not only uh, Kenya, which is really... Some people ask how, what size. Kenya is about uh, three of your states here. It's like being in um, Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana together. That's about the size of Kenya, about three or four states. But uh, now, with uh, those five countries, it means a much, much bigger territory uh, to cover. So we need your prayers. We need your prayers as we continue. There's a lot to be done, especially in the area of uh, leadership training. The conference we do uh, once per year is not just like what an American would say, oh, I'm going to a conference this year, which is wonderful. But you know, while you are doing a conference here in Ohio this year, there are at least 10 other conferences in Ohio. There are at least another 10 in, in, in Kentucky. Now in Kenya, like when we invite our leaders to come for our conference, those coming from some of the remote areas, that's the only conference you have that year. And it's not the only conference, that's the only any kind of uh, training of leadership and challenge, and that's the only time. That, so that, that one week is not just a week of a conference. It is life to them. It's really something very important. So whenever we ask you to pray for us, and we're going to do that, it's very, very key to a lot of leaders. So we are expecting uh, three to 500 leaders come together, 
These are not just pastors, they are women leaders, youth leaders, and so on and so forth, are coming to be with us in August, and we are traveling uh, with Rhoda and uh, several other people from Kentucky. We are traveling, there are some people also going from Georgia to travel to Kenya. So please, we need your prayers as we go to do that work. Uh, we also had asked you a few years ago about our Bible translation. I don't have the time to talk the details except to say that the Lord has been good to us. Uh, we have done several books of the New Testament uh, to that particular language. There's a, a language group that didn't have a Bible in their language, and we have done quite a few books. Now they are able to have a few books in the New Testament, but we are still going on. It will be several years before we can say we are done because we, uh, it's, I didn't realize it was such a big challenge. You know, sometimes when the Lord asks you for, gives you a project, he doesn't give you all the details, and I'm glad he doesn't, because he had told me what it will involve, I may have been afraid to get started, because I realize now you, every chapter you do, it has a lot of technical people to come and look at the chapters you have done, and, and who is do, doing what, and, and the Bible society is involved, Bible and literacy is involved, and so on and so forth, which is good, because they want to get a good Bible but it takes forever and a lot of money. So that's a, one of our projects that we are doing, and the Lord is blessing that work as well. We also have the water project that some of you, I remember, they were, I came here when we first began. It was such a, a tedious project for me to raise the funds and to do everything that needed to be done, and we shipped a, a whole container to Kenya, and so the water project is going on again. We have done a few uh, not as much as we'd have liked to do. We have done a few uh, drink, uh, boreholes for, for the water project, but we still need to do much more. I didn't realize also that this was going to be such a big project and also very demanding, but thank God that uh, by now at least something is being done. One of the teams that is going to Kenya, the one from Georgia, they are not going to for the leadership conference. They are going to, do, uh, to lay pipes to get uh, water from the drilling, uh, where we drill the water to the village where it needs to be. So at least that's happening, and we thank God for that. Amen. And so I wanted to share this with you because even as we preach the gospel, it's always it's good to, just like our, the doctor has said, it's, it's good to preach the gospel, but it's also good to heal the sick, to get uh, health to the people. So the same thing here. We are trying to get people to get a, a, a physical Bible that they can read in their language, and then other people, we are trying to get them water. And then other places, we are trying to build churches for them so that they can have a church. So all these are projects that you can stand with us, pray with us, and all of it is leading people to Christ. Amen. The goal of all this, when we give people the water, when we do the Bible translation, when we, all these things is that people may be brought into the kingdom of God because that's the most important. That's the heartbeat of God. So, you know, just like the health thing, if you're going to bring health to the people, it's so that somehow, by the grace of God, they may get to hear of the goodness of the Lord. Amen. And it's quite a blessing. Amen. So if you have any other questions, uh, we will be here at the close of the service to answer some of those questions. And, um, but please remember to pray for us as we now prepare. We have only one month, and we'll be preparing to leave again to, to go to Africa to do some of that work. And we are very excited about what God is doing. Uh, the growing work, it's just phenomenal. It's just fantastic what God is doing. He's doing mighty things. Amen. Let me ask you uh, if you could stand up as we read uh, the uh, Psalms 15. I'll read 15 and then 24. Psalm 15 is a short portion. The message I share this morning will not necessarily come from this chapter, but it kind of gives us um, a springboard into what I'll be sharing. I want to share on the keys or the secret to the heart of God. 
Uh, the Bible says from verse 1, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? And he, uh, he who walks uprightly and walks righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart, he who does not backbite with his tongue, nor do, uh, does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord, he who swears to his own heart and does not change. He who does not put his money to usury, nor does not uh, take a bribe against the innocent. He who does those things shall never be moved. And then uh, Psalm 24. Verse 3. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands, a pure heart, who has uh, not lifted up his soul to hide and also on deceitfully, he shall receive blessings from the Lord and righteousness within the God of his salvation. Then I skip on and go all the way to Psalms 91, just verse 1. Psalm 91, verse 1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Father, in Jesus' holy name, we would desire to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. We would like to, to have intimacy with the Father. We would like to know your will. We would like to honor you in our lives. We would like to be all that you want us to be. And this morning, I pray that even in the next few moments, you will speak to our hearts about just being close to you, having the heart of God, and practicing your presence every day, every moment of our lives, that God, we may be light and salt to the people around us. That's our prayer and our desire this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's be seated. The more I have been serving the Lord, I, I, I came to know the Lord. This is my 40th anniversary, actually, just about a little bit over 40 years since I came to Christ. And uh, even in my prayer, I remember when it started, it was about 40 years exact, uh, which is about um, a few months ago, I started praying anew and saying, Lord, I need now to have my Canaan land, you know. <laughs> they, en they entered the land of Canaan after 40 years of struggle and challenge. So I said, Lord, I just want to see... Uh, some breakthroughs in my life and ministry. And uh, the more I serve the Lord, the more I realize that there are not so many things really that I need to know so that I can please the Lord than just have intimacy with the Father. There are so many things that uh, people would like to know, but really you cannot know everything in the kingdom of God. Knowledge is good, but the scripture even makes it clear that knowledge puffs up. And so it is not really sometimes a desire of knowing so many things about the kingdom, but really knowing him. Because the most important thing, the most important thing that I'm learning as I continue serving the Lord is his presence and intimacy with the Father. David uh, asked that question twice, as we have seen in, in those two texts, in uh, Psalm 15 and then 24. And I guess he was struggling just like every one of us. He just wants to know which, which is the place that I can be, that I can really honor and walk in right relation with the Father. 
and be fruitful. Jesus himself said in John chapter 15 that uh, we need to be uh, branches within the vine, but he says not just being there, but being fruitful. He wants people who are intimate with him and then who will be fruitful while in the vine. And I want to be that kind of vine. I've been desiring of, of late, there's such a desire in my heart every single day. And I, I don't know how my last 39 years were, but this 40th year with the Lord has been just a, a constant desire. Lord, I want to be close to you. I want to know you. I want to be close to you. And then I went to the scriptures and I was looking and I was so surprised to see very few people really were friends to the Lord and had a, such a beautiful day-to-day -day walk with the Father. Very few names that you find that the Lord would just like commend them. You find a lot of them with a lot of challenge. Even when it comes to, to the seven churches of Asia Minor and Revelation, chapter 2 and 3, you'll find that uh, there was only probably one church that he commended. All the others were, you know, but I have this thing against you. So many people have walked with the Lord, but somehow half-heartedly. And one time Jeremiah told the, the prophets of his time, he said, you know, the problem with you is that you heal my people slightly. Partially. In other words, it's not full commitment. And I was just saying, Lord, but how can I learn to know you? And I went to some of these people in the scriptures, and I'm going to touch three of them this morning quickly. Uh, I looked in the scriptures to see some people who became real friends with the Father. And I just used three of them. And by the way, when I was looking through the scriptures, there are probably a dozen. From Genesis to Revelation, people that were really very close to the Father, that he was actually happy with their lives. And he said, 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 said so. Very few. Very few. But I'm just saying, however few they are, I want to be one of those. Because it's still possible. Amen. It is still possible to be close and to be a friend with Jesus. You know, when that chorus came that says, I'm a friend of God. I used to weep every time I sang that chorus. It was just like, because I don't know whether you know about it, but it's really so special to know that indeed you are a friend of the Father and that he can look to you and say, you are my friend. He loved Abraham one time, and I looked in the scriptures, and three times he has called Abraham my friend. And he didn't say our friend. You know, it was not like, but do you notice not very few people, I mean, there are very few people God himself said, so and so is my friend. My friend, you know, it's just a, a beautiful thing. And I was looking and I chose just a few people in the scriptures. One of them is Samuel. And uh, I will not be able to read a lot, you know, but I will give references so that you can probably read, especially in uh, Samuel chapter 3, uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 10. And this is when Samuel is a little boy. And I was looking, Samuel, how did you become such a close friend to the Father that even when you pray, he would hear and answer instantly. Have you ever thought about it? Most of the times we almost have to pray a million things because we are hoping that at least out of the million he will answer one of them. <laughs> but Samuel was not like that. Samuel did not have to pray a million things. Whatever he prayed, the Bible says, now this is not me, the scripture says that none of his words fell to the ground. Now, that is, that is phenomenal. That's, that's unbelievable. The Bible says that when Samuel spoke, whatever he said, none of his words fell to the ground. That's rare. That's very rare. And I had to look and see what, what, what may have brought about this man to a place where whatever he said happened, God answered him. 
Actually, one time he's just talking to the Israelites, just like, you know, when they challenge God about a king and all that, he says, now listen, I want you to know what I'm telling you is true today. He says, you see no clouds and it's not the time of the rains. I want a confirmation that what I've told you today is true. There will be thunder and rain today so that you can know what I've said is true. And there was thunder and rain that day. That, that's rare. You don't find it every day. Most of us, when we speak, there's not even nothing. Not thunder. It's nothing happens. But there was a man who had such intimacy with the father. And I see it from his beginning. In chapter 3, verse 10, he's a little boy. And he's taught, really funny enough, by a very bad mentor. Uh, his, 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 his spiritual father was not such a good man, Eli. But at least he said the right thing. He, said, he told him as a young man, when, when the father speaks to you today, when you hear it again, please say, Master, speak. Your servant is listening. Many years later, we find people started calling him the Samuel the seer, or the one who hears from the father. He was so much, he walked so much with the father that the reputation about him was he who hears from the father. He heard, and he began as a little boy when he told the father, as a little boy, he said, Lord, speak because I'm listening. And so I think that's the beginning, that's the key. One of the keys to the heart of God is being mindful to be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because, listen, God still speaks, and we need to be sensitive to what he's saying to our hearts. Now, all of us are called differently. Not all of us are called, you know, to go like me, probably to the, to the heart of Africa. Sometimes people have asked me, both the times I used to live in America before in the 80s, some of you remember me as a young man, and later on when I came back to America, and people have always said, can you stay here? It's wonderful to be in America and all that kind of thing. And I love it here in a way. But God has called me there. I keep going there. And I am bringing, by the way, I want all of you to please pray for me. We are really praying for a big financial miracle to be able to build our center in Nairobi where we will build our training center and a church and our children's center. We want to be able to complete that and go back home. It's been really my desire for the last many years. And I remember sharing with Brother Eric when he was uh, here. And he was among the first people to give. This church was the one that gave the first amount to start that project, $10,000 from this church. And I thank you for praying and supporting us. Amen. And we are praying and believing God. Well, when I told Brother Eric, Pastor Eric, that I was going to start, I thought again it was a little project. Like I said, the Lord never gives me all the details. I thought it was just something I was going to do with, uh, within you know, $50,000 or something like that and be done. But now the project has ended up being something that will cost us almost $400,000. I didn't know. I'm not a builder. I'm not an architect. And uh, many other things that happened. I don't know whether I shared with you the last time I was here when we went to dig the foundations because I was thinking we have such a little land uh, we, we, in, in our city. Our city is such an expensive city. And that surprises many people when I tell them the cost of land in Nairobi is nowhere close. It's probably even more expensive than Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> very expensive land. And so our land is not very much. And when we started, we said, oh, let's do a big foundation to the ground, and uh, we, when we did that, we found there was a big boulder that was bigger than this building going across our, we couldn't be able to go down, and we tried, we broke some machinery, we had to pay for, and the funding that I had thought 
was going to do a lot. Actually, from this church, we thought we were going, the 10,000 was to dig a big foundation and lay at least the foundation alone and be done. Well, he didn't even do half of that because we had, it was that big rock, huge boulder that we were not able to remove. And we, then we had to use all kinds of machinery and all that. By the time it was done, we had spent over $20,000 there. And we, we didn't have much to show for it. And so on and so forth. And the challenges keep coming. But why... Do I struggle even right now? The other day I was asking myself, why do I keep on, you know, this, this thing? But you see, when God has put that burden in you, there's no other place to be, however tough it is, than in the will of God. However rough the place is. You can never be, listen to me this morning. Your calling may not be Armstrong's calling. But wherever you are, you will never be happy. You will never really, you know, you, things may be happening around you, supply and everything, but you are still not happy until you are in the place where God wants you to be. And that's how I feel myself. You know, I'm, I'm here in the midst of the, you know, I know right now there is recession and the economic challenges in America, but you don't really know until you go to some of these countries. Too. I know you, you saw it. You, you don't know... Until you go to some of those countries to realize what economic recession is. <laughs> you, know, you know, we are talking about uh, countries where the unemployment is 70% of the population and so on and so forth. Where like now, our money, when I first came to America, when I first came to the church years ago, the dollar was 11 shillings to, our do to a dollar. So you could say, well, that's terrible, 11 shillings to a dollar. Today, it is 80 shillings to a dollar. So our money has just like gone down and so on and so forth across many countries. I remember that time, Nigeria, the Naira was four times the dollar. So the Nigerians used to come. That's why there are a lot of Nigerians in America. Those days they would come and their money was multiplied by four. So if he came with a thousand of his money, he got $4,000. So, I mean, they, they did very well those days. Today, they are the same with us. The Naira is about $1 to 80 Nairas. Just, you can imagine that economy falling apart and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of challenges out there. But you know the most important thing is, however tough the challenges are, I am very happy, honestly. When I minister to those ministers in Nairobi and other places, I feel like I'm in heaven. Challenged, you know, surrounded by whatever. I remember one time going to northern Kenya, one of the hottest places on, in Africa. Very hot and dry and everything else. But I just felt really this is the place I need to be because I felt I was doing that which the Lord had asked me to do. Amen. So what I'm challenging you this morning is to ask the Lord to help you to listen, to give you a, a heart to listen to his voice. And how do you learn that? Of course, by getting deep in the word of God. The scripture is very clear about this, that the only way we can learn to hear him well is by the word. You've got to know his word. If you know, the only way I can know the will of God, the only way I can learn to hear that message is by being in the word of God throughout. And it's becoming harder and harder to live by the standards of the word of God. You know that. Even some of your laws now are challenging many things that you, as a believer you'd want to stand for. With what happened in New York this week and so on and so forth. There are laws that are coming that will literally challenge the definition of, of your life anymore in the future. What you, know, how, what you live for, how you live, and everything else. But there's no greater thing than being in the world of God, what, uh, obeying the word, whatever the challenge. 
I think about Samuel. This is another area we are still talking about Samuel. How one of the first messages he is told to give was not what I want to share with anybody. He's a young teenager filled with the Holy Ghost. And I'm sure he's happy. Oh, I'm serving the Lord. And then God comes and tells him, I wanted God to tell that preacher, the bishop, the head of the church, tell him his family will be destroyed. And ABCD, a terrible message to share. I know, I'm, I'm sure if he was to argue with God, he'd say, Lord, why don't you send somebody older, more experienced? I mean, why, didn't, why don't you tell him he's a preacher? And he tells him, go and share this message for me. And sometimes uh, it becomes hard. Even as, as times go, it's becoming harder and harder to be in the marketplace and stand for your faith. It's very difficult anymore because even now, uh, you know, doing, I've been involved in some work with chaplaincy in America. Chaplaincy began when you could go to a prison or a hospital and share the love of Jesus with, pre, uh, with the patients or prisoners and everything else. But most of the places these days, chaplaincy, is, that's not the definition anymore. Anybody who is involved in chaplaincy anymore. It's no longer that way. These days, chaplaincy means that if you find a Hindu, you tell him his three and a half million gods, that's wonderful. May your faith strengthen you. That's what chaplaincy means anymore. You go and find whatever. Whatever faith, it doesn't matter who you are. You are told to encourage, to, to enforce. And it becomes very difficult for a believer anymore. Because originally chaplaincy in America was like men and women full of the Holy Spirit who felt compassion and wanted to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the only hope. And that message has not changed. But unfortunately now, with whatever is happening, is that it's almost, you know, it's, it's all a mess, it's confusion. And so it is becoming tougher, but somebody needs to receive the spirit of Samuel this morning. Amen. Where you will say, come what may, I'm going to stand in the truth of what the father is saying. It was I am sure it was very difficult for little Samuel to tell the, the bishop that, hey, the Lord says he's not pleased with you and your you priesthood is over. You are, your sons will die in battle. You are gone. That was a tough message. Very unpopular. But many times the message will not be popular. And it's happening here in America. The message is no longer you know, popular and all that. We have to go on quickly here. So the, here, the, 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 the test that we have for all of us is the test of keeping those standards because the challenge will be to, to be like everybody else. And Samuel, very soon when he grew up, again he, he faced again. Now he's, the, the other guy is dead and gone, just like he prophesied. But now comes a new challenge. The whole nation now wants to be like the other nations. That's what they told him. He said, we want a, a, a king. Remember the story. I don't have the time. Please go and read in First Kings. He tells him, we want to have a king. Everybody else around us are king. I mean... Samuel says, we have been having victory all along. Because what you don't understand, we have the king of kings as our father. Well, they challenged him over and over. And there was a big challenge for him. Because he understood that he had to, one master to honor. Well, they pushed him and pushed him. But it was so difficult for him. And let me tell you, if you feel comfortable in the settings of the world... 
something is wrong inside there. Any man or woman of God who walks with the Lord will always find a disturbing spirit within him. Telling him this world is not my home. Because the standards of this world will never be like the standards of the kingdom. And we always have to live above reproach. We have to live above the world. That's the call of God, every child of God here this morning. Because we are working. You see, Jesus prayed in, in John chapter 17 that he will not be removed from the world. But he said, Father, I pray that you keep them in the truth. So we need to walk in that truth. We want to walk in that truth every single day. In spite of all changing standards. We have the solid rock, Jesus Christ. And we can always stand there. The name of the Lord is a mighty strong tower. You can always run there and you are safe. But please, by God's grace, never, never compromise. We are called to live above the world and worldliness. Our brother John tells us that we cannot... If we allow the world, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, he says, If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So there's that calling to live above the world and not to allow the love of the world to, to overtake us. Let me quickly hear, because of our time, I promise, and we have only about 10 minutes. There's um, another man that I want to touch quickly here. I will not read, but uh, please go and uh, read in the, uh, his life, and you'll see some of these. I would like for you to... And the, his name is David, and you know about it. I told you Samuel is called the seer. Now, this other one has even a very good title or name after him, David. In Acts chapter 13, verse 22... In 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 13 and 14, this man is called a man after God's own heart. I love that. Because he's another one I chose when I was thinking of the people who have touched God. And I saw, I was looking at David and I said, David, why did you become so special to God? Again, David is the same kind of thing. And, and I, I don't want, I mean, I'll just touch him in two minutes about David. David. He is described as a man after the heart of God. And that's, that's what I want. To, I want to be described as somebody who has the heart of the, of the Lord. But how did that happen? Again, it was because of choices. Every single man. And you notice, this is kind of interesting. Of the three people I chose, every one of them chose when they were young. They made a, deter, a determined effort to serve the Lord and to live for him. David is a little boy. He chose to serve the Lord. He even gives a testimony when he was facing Saul. Remember when Saul told him, ah, young fellow, who are you to think you can challenge Goliath? He said, listen, it's not about me. He says, many years ago as a little boy, I had learned the secret to success and to, to victory. He says, I was in the wilderness and by the strength of the Lord, I was able to kill a bear and a lion, not by the human hand. He's trying to tell him, how many boys have you known that have killed lions? How many boys have you known that have killed bears? If that could happen to a little boy, definitely. Hallelujah. By the same power. In other words, it's not a question of the challenge. It's a question of the God of the challenge. He says, you know, I was a boy then, but now as a man, I still believe that the same God that was with me when I did those things. You see, he began hourly by making decisions 
that made him the man that he was. He is called a man after God's own heart. Now you look uh, many things, and I, I don't have the time, but you look into the Psalms when he's talking about praising the Lord, how he loves the, the word of the Lord, and you find that this man, every time he does, even when he makes a mistake, he realizes the kingdom is not about David. It's about the God of David. So even when he made mistakes, because this morning, probably as I began sharing, every one of us may feel like, oh, I'm not the one, you know, I, I, I cannot be him, I cannot be Samuel, I cannot be David, no problem. Listen, these were not perfect people, but there are people who knew there is a perfect God who receives us and gives us the power to overcome because he loves us. I was preaching somewhere recently and I said, listen, God has no better people than you and me. We are it. Amen. So if you have been feeling discouraged and like you are nobody, nobody. Listen, God does not have better you. It is you. It is me he's counting on for Africa. Not some future better people. No, I am the mighty preacher that he's expecting. He's not expecting anybody else. It is you and me that he's expecting to fulfill his purposes. Hallelujah. You are it. Don't look at somebody else. No, no, no. We are who God is counting upon to change the world for him. He trusts you. Just the way you, oh, I'm so weak, or whatever. No, 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 no. With his power, you shall do it. We will be able to say with Paul in Philippians when he says, I can do how many things? All things. Through Christ. You see, he added that. He knew what he was talking about. He said, no, no, no. It's not because I'm poor. I can do all those things, not because of me, but because of him. We can do it. And so whatever challenges are happening, you can have the heart of God. Finally, the other guy I was going to touch, and because of time, is Daniel. And Daniel is called, he's a man of high integrity. This is a man who even angels... An angel comes from heaven and says, oh, highly esteemed one. I mean, he's looking around. Who? I mean, there's an angel coming from heaven. You know, not, not, I mean, can you imagine a message from the father calling you the highly esteemed one? And you are looking how tall you are or how, you know. I mean, this is a message from heaven. And that's what I'm telling you this morning. That it is you that God is looking for. It is us. When Daniel was just a man and he's looking like, me, in heaven, they call me the highly esteemed one. Yeah, but what did he do? In Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible says, he purposed in his heart not to defile himself. It's all about choices. I said, oh, it's just about choices. You can bring changes in, not in the past. Don't talk about the future, the past. It doesn't matter what mistakes you have made. Look into the future by faith. Amen? Look into the future by faith. And believe that God knows, knows you. And he knows all there is for you. And he has a wonderful future for you. And that you are not going to accomplish it because of where you are coming from. You are going to accomplish it because of whose you are. And his hand is sufficient for you. Listen to me. I've been preaching since I was 16. But I am learning more than ever before that it is not what I have been but whose I am. That I can do whatever mistakes I have made, I am sure I am all, I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed by the, by the love of Jesus to know that he takes care of every mistake I've ever made. And as I stand this morning, I stand as if I'm new. 
forever new and because his masses are new, not yesterday, but every single morning. I can count upon his love and mercy to make me the better me, the best of me that I can ever be. And this morning, whatever mistakes you have made, whatever challenges, you know, and he's calling you to fulfill a particular purpose, don't feel that that can be fulfilled by so-and-so. No, no, no. It is you that will fulfill that purpose. It is you that he, and listen, he has the power, the ability, and the enablement. He will give you the power to fulfill that we just called you to do. Let's stand up, please. Whatever it is, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, whatever he's calling you into, but God has power and enough grace. Somebody say sufficient grace. Let's say it again. Sufficient grace, yes. He has sufficient grace for every challenge in your life. For everything you're going through and you're saying, no, I don't know whether I can make it. Yes, you can. You can and you will. By the power of the Holy Spirit, by his rich grace, you are able to do and to be everything that he wants you to be. We have only one minute, but if you are here and you want to say, I'm strong, can you pray with me? I want to. I want to go to the next level and I just feel like I'm frustrated, I'm defeated, I just can't make it, but I want to believe with the words you have shared this morning that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I want to believe that there is sufficient grace for me. Whoever you are this morning, you can lift up your hand as, a, as just saying, I agree with what God is saying about my life and I want to receive from him. Thank you for those hands. Anybody else want to say yes to Jesus in whatever area? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever it is. Father, in Jesus' holy name, as we come to the close of this service, we lift these hands as evidence to say that we agree with your word. We agree with what you are saying about us. That we are more than conquerors. That we are sons and daughters of the most high God. That we are highly esteemed in heaven, not because of ourselves, but because of the Lord Jesus Christ. We, uh, we will make it because of the sufficient grace that is available for every child of God. Your mercies are new every morning, even this morning, this Sunday morning. The grace of the Lord is sufficient for every one of us. Dear Lord, I speak forgiveness and cleansing. I speak healing and strength upon my brothers and my sisters this morning. As they leave this church, they will never be the same again. They are being changed right now. They are being changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. There is forgiveness available for every one of them. They are being renewed right now. You are being renewed. Lift up your hands and bless the name of the Lord for a few moments. Just say thank you to Jesus because you are being forgiven. You are being cleansed. You are being renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is doing something mighty and glorious in your heart. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We thank you because you are faithful, Lord. Thank you for forgiving us our sins, renewing us, and making us new. Us new, And we know that we'll go this whole week, this month, this year, knowing that we are yours, and we are victorious forevermore. We give you praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a wonderful hand. I know Armstrong will be okay with me doing this because... It's all about the gospel of Jesus. It's not about a gospel, some, some options. You, there is no option. It is the person of Jesus. And it, it, is, it is for the purpose of the gospel that we link arms with people like Armstrong and Rhoda. 
like Philip Cameron, like Bill Turkovich, like Andy and Kim McNeil there at the middle ground because it's about the gospel. And the gospel is simply this. His mercy is every morning. He died that you might live. He lives to make intercession for you that when you face problems, he will help you overcome. He's making intercession with the Father right now for us. And right now, the simplest thing is this. If you don't know Jesus, the only, the only option you have is this. I mean, you have another option, but it's not good. It only leads to destruction, and it, only, it, does, it gives you no place to go in eternity. The only option you really have is this, to turn to the person of Christ, to believe in your heart that he is the only way, the only truth, the only life, and to confess he is that and come running to your father and find that intimate friendship that Armstrong's been talking about this morning. That's it. It doesn't have to take place even in a church service. It can take place in your car on the way home. It can take place on a bicycle someplace. It can take place in the living room of your, of your house, out your couch. It, does, it doesn't matter where it takes place, just that it does. Pastor Eric was saved gloriously on the, in the living room at his couch. No music, no preacher, nothing. Just him and Jesus. Listen, that's what's there. I want you guys to pray with me for Armstrong and Rhoda. Oh, Rhoda, would you join us here? Would you mind to do that? We want to keep linking arms with people like this, that the gospel is everything to them, and that, 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 that God would use them greatly and that the kingdom would be expanded. Jesus, I just, Lord, we just continue to solidify, God, our, our connection to you and our connection to, the, to those who are doing the work of the kingdom, Lord. God, we want, Lord Jesus, you to be glorified, not just in Ross County, and we're grateful for the chance, God, like with things like Hope Clinic and Middle Ground and other places, we can link arms with churches just right here. But God, your, your ideas, your thoughts are so much bigger than ours. God, your thoughts and your vision encompass the whole world, Father. And God, we link arms right now with Armstrong and Cheetah, Armstrong and Rhoda again, God, because... God, they're doing the work of the kingdom. They're called by you, Jesus, to expand the territory that the kingdom reaches into. And so, Jesus, right now, we pray your grace, your blessing, your power, your strength, God, your provision. God, we pray your anointing, God, your joy, your peace, your love, God, would encapsulate everything that concerns them. God, their children, their grandchildren. God, the ministers, they're ministering to and encouraging and training. God, the families of each church, God, that they... Get, to, get the opportunity and the privilege of overseeing as bishops. God, we pray, God, your hand would affect every one of those people, God, that we, 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 that we have the opportunity to reach by linking arms with Armstrong and Rhoda. God, today in Kenya, God, in Uganda, God, in, in Congo, in Tanzania, God, Zambia, God, we pray the power of the strength of the Holy Spirit of God would be felt and be experienced, Jesus, and that salvation would come to many, Lord Jesus. God, you know the obstacles they're trying to overcome. And God, they will overcome because they're more than conquerors. And so, God, we pray you'd strengthen them for the journey. And God, we pray your provision would not just come upon them. We pray, God, your provision would overtake them in every, every area, Lord. God, we bless you, Father, for them. And we speak blessing and life and strength over them, God, today in the great and awesome and powerful name of Jesus. And all of God's children say, amen. Give God a hand clap. I've been thinking about something. It's, it's awesome to me to hear Armstrong sp speak today because just this morning I was reading my devotion before I left the house. 
and I, I use my phone. I've got a, got a thing on there to do devotions with, you know, and it gives me the opportunity to share things that stick out to me. Guess what the piece of Scripture was I posted this morning? Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Earlier this week, I was listening to another preacher preach, and he said this statement. He said, if you're doing what everybody else is doing, you're probably on the broad, on, on the broad road, not the narrow path. I think that was just Wednesday I posted that. God's speaking. This morning, Mary Moore prayed in prayer meeting that God, she saw us, God extending his covenant to us, almost as if he was drawing us to himself in a marriage covenant. And what is it that Armstrong was preaching on this morning? Us being called the friend of God, being drawn together in intimacy. Listen, that's what God wants for all of us. I didn't even see Mary stand there. I didn't see, I didn't recognize her because she's got that coat on now. I didn't. That's what God desires. You take what you've listened to this morning and don't just be hearers. Be doers. Take this word with you and walk with it. We're given freedom not to do what we want to do. We are given freedom to do what we ought to do. What we should do. Jesus sets us free so we can be what he always intended for us to be in the first place. Shadra, would you like to share something? She's standing there feverishly like, um, I just wanted to take the opportunity to make a little advertisement for children's ministry. Armstrong, you talked about those three guys. They all made a decision as a young person. Our children's ministry needs people to, to help out. And it doesn't have to be, you know, you've got to be a teacher to help out in the children's ministry. The clinic that they were talking about, they said they don't have to have just doctors and nurses and medical people. They need people who are willing to push a broom or do anything. We've got a couple of opportunities. We've got the, the camp this summer. We've got, and that doesn't mean you've got to be a counselor. Um, that might be terrifying to some. It might be delightful to some. But we've got opportunities that we can invest. If you're one of those Jesus lovers, if you're one of those people that are going, I love Jesus and I know him, I want to know him more, invest in the kids. Give them the opportunity to hear about Jesus and see the intimate walk that they can have with Jesus because we don't know. We don't know the kids that are coming in and out of our doors if maybe they'll be one of those Daniels, those Davids, those Samuels who listen to the voice of God and follow him with their whole heart. Take the opportunity. Amen. Amen. Camp's going to be good this year. I've listened to music all week, and my heart is stirred. I was drawn to the point of tears yesterday afternoon thinking, Jesus, what are you about to do at camp? My heart was just revved. You know, like you get, you're, you can feel that on the inside, like you got a hold of that handlebar on that motorcycle, and you just kind of rev the thing. You know what I mean? God's going to do something, and we need as many of you to jump in as possible. We need, grand, we need people who can be grandparents to young kids who don't have very good examples and can be aunts and uncles. And moms and dads were the case, maybe, and different things like that. Jump in and be a part of it. Jesus, I send your people right now. I'm reminded of what William shared with us last week, God, as he shared the, the, the offering, God, last week. And he, he, he proclaimed that, that Levitical blessing, God. Lord, I pray your face would shine upon your people. God, I pray blessing would be upon them. God, wherever they go, whatever they do, God, I pray, God, not just in this moment, but I pray this afternoon as they eat lunch, they'd be like Samuel, and they hear the voice of God calling them. God, I pray tomorrow morning as they awaken and 
maybe to pre prepare to celebrate the, the, the founding of our nation, God. But more than anything, God, they'd hear your voice calling out to them and drawing them close. Lord, I pray, Jesus, you would be with them, that they would not just come to church triumphant. Lord, I pray they would be church triumphant wherever they go. God, they'd live victoriously in the light of the glory of the grace of the one who saved us and bought us with his own blood. Lord, I pray, Lord, you would be right there with them. Lord, we bless you and we thank you and we honor you, Jesus, for that. In your great and awesome name we pray and everybody say, amen. Go use your freedom for good. You hear me? Give God a hand clap and you're free to go.